Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Small Talk Podcast. My name is Katie Fairman and let's just start off this episode by addressing the elephant in the room. Well, there's two. Number one, where on earth have I been? I did a podcast saying I was going to Vegas and since then I have been to Vegas. Abu Dhabi has happened, the season has finished and I've just been nowhere to be seen. But uh, truth be told... I haven't been too well since I came back from Vegas, as you can probably tell from my voice. I had laryngitis this week, which, let me tell you, for a podcaster, is not ideal when you don't have a voice, but it is slowly coming back. I'm a bit croaky, but it's fine. Honestly, this is better than it's been in a long time, so I thought, quick, let's jump on uh, my microphone and let's record an episode. But yeah, I don't really know what this theme of today's episode is going to be. I guess it's going to be a little bit of a Vegas debrief, a little bit of an end of season chat. And there's a few things. I've watched the new Braun documentary. I've got some thoughts on that. And uh, there's going to be plenty in this episode. So it's a bit of a jumble, but it's been a while. Shall we play a little jingle that we have and get into today's episode? I think we should. Let's begin. <laughs> Right then, where do we start? Um, Well, actually, I know where I'd like to start, and that is by thanking everyone who has tagged me in their Spotify wrapped. That came out yesterday, and I personally, it seems to have split the internet quite a bit. I personally love seeing people Spotify wrapped. I am a nosy girl, (laughs) hence why being a journalist maybe is quite a good career path for me, but I love seeing what other people listen to. Like, away from Formula One, music is definitely my biggest passion. And sorry, I can't take myself seriously sounding like this. Um, Music is my biggest passion. And so I love seeing what people are listening to. And especially when people are listening to this podcast. It's amazing. So I'm really thankful to everyone that has both listened to this podcast over the past year. Like it la- we launched in February, so it's still only a little baby. Um, but, you know, whether you listen to this podcast and screenshotted that I was in your top five or not, like just regardless, I'm always so appreciative and so thankful to all of you. So let's start with some positive vibes and saying thank you. The next thing that we should get into is let's talk about Vegas because the last podcast I did was all about the fact that I decided, well, not I decided, but I was suddenly going to Vegas. It was all incredibly last minute. I had an email the week before Vegas basically saying, hello, um, would you like to come? (laughs) And I was like, well, let me think about this because obviously I was super interested about what Vegas was going to be like because it's a new race. Obviously, F1 were chucking so much money into that event and it was being dubbed like the high, most highly anticipated race of the last few decades and, you know, all of this big dramatic like wording for it. And like I said, I'm a nosy girl. So I kind of wanted to be on the ground and see what it was really like. And um, it was very interesting. I'd never been to Vegas before, so it's my first experience of Las Vegas. And I'm just going to be, well, completely honest with you, like I am on all my podcasts. I don't know if it's because half of the strip was shut 
or, you know, there was all these massive catch fences everywhere and all these floodlights from F1 circuit being in the middle of the strip. But I was expecting it to be like party, party, party 24-7. And don't get me wrong, I had my fair share of partying, but I think I've had crazier nights out in Brighton. Like, I don't know. There was so, maybe it was too much going on. Maybe I was a bit overstimulated with how much was happening. But I mean, like I arrived, I went to LA first, went with my friend Claire Gottingham. We went to LA, stayed in Hollywood, uh, went up to the Griffiths Observatory. Um, That was very cool. There's a a clip. I don't know actually if this is a well-known clip or if this is a very niche thing that my brother showed me once, but there's a clip from Grand Theft Auto where this guy like crashes a helicopter into the Griffiths Observatory. I Hopefully you know the clip. If not, I'm so sorry. This is just a random anecdote. Um, But every time I see the Griffiths Observatory, I think of that or La La Land. So um, went there, saw the Hollywood sign, went to the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Um, Some really odd names on there I was expecting like every single star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame to be like a huge Hollywood A-lister like Meryl Streep or I don't know Danny DeVito (laughs) he's like the first person that came to mind but there were some really odd names on there like the Rugrats had a star Woody Woodpecker I mean yes they're legends but they're not real (laughs) so anyway that was surprising also how long it goes on for I wasn't anticipating it to be such a a long list of stars, but I guess they like honour people through all sorts of sectors. Um, the one thing that actually stood out the most, sorry, this is a Formula One podcast. I will get to Formula One chat in a minute. I'm just having a bit of a brain dump because I feel like there's a lot to catch up on. Um, the one thing I was surprised by is Marilyn Monroe, naturally, she has a star. And do you want to guess where it was, like what it was outside of? It was outside of McDonald's and I just was surprised at the fact they maybe haven't moved it because I think you can move the stars. But I don't know, I just feel like that's not really very fair <laughs> to poor Marilyn Monroe for her, her star to be outside of McDonald's. But anyway, we'll get onto the F1 chat now. So yeah, went to Vegas by car on Tuesday and got there on Tuesday evening afternoon and um, the first thing I did is I went to an event which was put on by Toomey I think that's how I pronounce it which is a luggage company that sponsors McLaren Um, they have done partnerships and collaborations in the past there's like a really gorgeous tote bag which is a very like retro design with McLaren that I really really want it looks so cool Um, but yeah went there and I was meant to so a bit cheeky but I kind of alluded to it in the last episode. I was meant to do an interview with Lando Norris as my final interview of the year. And then I got to the kind of event. Well, tell a lie. I got a phone call a few hours before the event and they were like, the interview can't happen. Like, it's, and we're really sorry, but you can still come along. Um, so, yeah, that was disappointing because I was really looking forward to interviewing Lando. And also, you'll notice a theme on this podcast is that I'm not normally somebody that if I have an interview lined up, I don't normally speak of it and put it out into the universe until it's actually happened because things can happen. Like I was meant to interview Daniel Ricciardo in Austin, didn't happen. Like, so some things can be maybe in the diary, but don't actually end up working out. And so unfortunately this Lando one was one of them. But anyway, I went along to the event, got to very briefly meet Lando. He signed a McLaren cap, which actually... 
I would keep your eyes peeled across my social media because I think I'm going to give it away because as much as I would love a Lando signed hat for my collection of which I have no <laughs> nothing in my collection um, it would definitely be more deserving um, to one of you so I think I am going to give that away so make sure you're following me on social and small talk I yet I don't know yet how I'm going to give it away but um, I don't think I'm gonna keep it because like I say somebody out there deserves that hat way more than I do Red Bull this year I have to give credit to them because it clearly doesn't come out of the budget cap <laughs> their livery reveals we have had a, a like show car helicoptered down in Austin and now in Vegas we had it in a club and I had never been to this club before funnily enough because I'd never been to Vegas before um but I went with my friend Matt Amos and he had been to this club once before when Formula E had their sim race in Vegas a few years ago and he was like yeah the ceiling in this place it all comes down and it's all really weird and I was like okay Matt like I couldn't actually see how that was possible from where we were standing but we were at this club for a couple of hours and then sure enough like it hits midnight all the lights go out it goes really funky and then they have this reveal and this car I'm not joking you literally like comes down from the ceiling as do about 20 women in like leotards and on this I don't even know how to explain it like it, they were like acrobats almost and they were spinning <laughs> I'm really not explaining it very well but it was insane and then this confetti was going off and it was such like a massive event thing. Like there was so much confetti, I couldn't even see the car for the first five minutes of this show that they were putting on. Um, but yeah, there was this car just hanging from the ceiling for the rest of the evening. So that was quite something. And I was like, yep, yeah, I have definitely arrived in Vegas. This is a thing. So Red Bull had their, their livery launch, which I really like this one. I think it might have been my favorite out of the three they did for the US Grand Prix this year. Um, and they had like poker star themed uh, wheel covers, which were really cool. I think they, I got a press release that said that they were going to be signed and like handed out to fans and stuff. So that's quite cool. Um, quite a cool little activation, but yeah, like that was how I spent my Tuesday. You'll notice that some of these evenings are just so wacky and the time scheduling as well was so weird. Like that's a rant for later. But it's probably why I got so run down. And like the fact that Vegas is at the start of the final triple header next year is going to be brutal. Like I feel so fortunate almost that I was able to do Vegas and then dip out. Like so many of my friends went from Vegas to Abu Dhabi and I would have just been in absolute pieces if that was me. So the fact that it's the start of a triple header next year, oh, it gives me shudders. It's, I don't know if they're going to change it or if they can change it but that is going to be intense. So yeah, then the rest of the week was just spent waiting for sessions to happen. Everything was so odd. Like we watched the opening ceremony on Wednesday and I'm sure most of you saw it, but if you didn't, the opening ceremony is something that is I guess kind of exclusive to the new events on the calendar we had one in Miami last year which was so cringe and this year I think was a lot better like I say I was happy because it was music and it was f1 and they're like my two favorite things so I was like this is great and I was there I was able to be in paddock club for that so that was a cool experience like I said you know I, 
It's these experiences of being able to watch F1 from these swanky places. I might say it very casually in a sentence, but just the fact that it's even happening is just a bizarre, bizarre scenario. But anyway, we were watching the opening ceremony from above. And um, yeah, I thought it was it was something a bit different. Uh, they had people like 30 Seconds to Mars performing, Kylie, Kylie Minogue was there, um, and other people like Steve Aoki and John Legend was performing like literally a few feet behind us. And it was, it was a cool spectacle. Like, I think, I, I do quite like the opening ceremonies. I know lots of people are like, I just rather watch the racing. And that's fair enough. But, you know, it's a one-off. If they do this every single year for Vegas, then I will change my opinion of it. But if you've got new races, then why not like use it as a bit of a commercial opportunity to start it with a bang? You know, Vegas is meant to be doing a 10-year deal with F1. Like that's quite a long time. So if they want to throw a little party before the start of that, then why not? Then we had Thursday, practice day. And oh, it was it was not good, was it, guys? It was not the start that they wanted. There was about eight minutes, maybe nine a push. I think F1 were trying to go with nine minutes and everyone else was saying it was eight minutes of on-track action before everything was brought to a halt and massively delayed. And that was all because of these pesky drain covers, which, shock, we have seen at so many street races before now, like both in Formula One, Formula E, obviously, is a championship that races a lot on street circuits. Like, we know the risk that comes with running on streets and these drain covers, like the downforces of the car are so strong that it will lift these drains up And that's exactly what happened with Carlos Sainz. He drove over one of these water covers and it ripped through his car. And as a result of that, he had to pull over to the side and essentially half of his car had to be rebuilt. And I mean, I know that this is an old story now that he got this penalty because he then exceeded the allocated amount of parts he was allowed. But I'm sorry... I'm still pissed at that. I think it's an absolute joke. If I were Fred Fasseur, which would be quite a change of scene if I suddenly became the Ferrari team principal, I would be I would be putting out almost threats into the press and being like, well, if this is if this is the rules, then maybe this isn't a championship for Ferrari, you know? Like, put the pressure on. But I think it's an absolute joke. Like, was not Carlos's fault? There's just as much chance that could have happened to Hamilton, Logan, Sargent, you know, anyone on that grid had the same chance of running over that. Having said that, Fernando Alonso, I'm pretty certain the man is an alien because the onboard seemed to show him, like, make a split second judgment and change his direction so he didn't run over the drain cover. So, okay, we know Fernando Alonso is a god, but maybe, you know, he's giving us evidence that he really is from another planet sometimes. But I just think that was an absolute joke that Carlos was given that penalty. Like one of very few races this season where Ferrari have looked super competitive and shock, he had to take a 10 second grid penalty for something that wasn't his fault. Like I really am still not over that. And I think I'm sure a lot of Ferrari fans are in a similar position to me. Anyway, we did get going again with practice, except it wasn't at the time that was planned, which was 12 o'clock midnight, which was already far too late, far too late. Like the whole scheduling from this weekend was pretty obscene, to be honest. And I hope that that's something that changes for next year because it was just exhausting and actually just silly, like just stupid. 
Stupid, stupid, stupid. But anyway, we'll go into that in a bit. Practice two then got underway at 2.30 local time. And I was trying my very hardest (laughs) to stay up. Like I wasn't accredited media for Vegas because this opportunity came around so last minute and I knew how busy the FIA would be in F1. I didn't want to try and harass them for a pass. Like the deadline had been and gone. And so I thought, you know what, this weekend, I'm just going to take the opportunity to enjoy it as a as a fan although I don't know if I can really fit myself into that bracket because I wasn't spending my weekend sat in a cold grandstand like I had nice opportunities that were presented to me as a result of the opportunity of staying with the Venetian so I'm not going to try and you know get my tiny little fiddle out and make it sound like I was sat there freezing to death like I was in a fortunate position where I could just go back to my hotel but it was it was a bit mad that it then got to 2.30 when when practice got the green light. And like I say, ev- by this point, everybody had been kicked out anyway, which is another thing that is unfortunate. I don't know if there was better solutions. Obviously, the security teams and everybody like that were only going to be paid a certain amount of time on the clock. But it does make me wonder if they could have done something. I mean, there were so few fans about anywhere in the grandstand. Like even when I went to watch qualifying, there were half of the grandstand was empty. And that was for qualifying, you know, one of the most exciting parts of the whole weekend. But whether they could have done something where they just kept like the start finish grandstand open and anyone with a ticket could just go and sit in there. So at least you had the choice of being able to watch some of the racing. I don't know. Like it to me... It seems a joke and as a result, you know, there is meant to be this legal situation that's going on with people who were kicked out on that Thursday. Well, you could argue Friday morning because it got so late. But the fact that we had F1 cars doing laps of Las Vegas at 2.30 in the morning until 4am is obscene. Like the whole weekend felt a bit like a fever dream, to be honest with you. And coming from like a well-being perspective... That just doesn't seem fair on the drivers, the teams, the media, you know, it's just, I was very lucky that I was just able to go back to my hotel room and watch practice from there. And I won't lie to you, I fell asleep in the middle of FP2 because I was so tired. Like jet lag was pretty rough and the hours generally, like it just was silly. So I'm glad that everything ended up working okay. But I don't think that, you know, now Vegas has been and gone. F1 can't afford just to be like, oh, yeah, that was a bit of a rough patch. Like, it's fine. Everybody's kind of forgotten now because we can't forget how silly that really was. For qualifying on Friday evening, I was able to pay a visit to F1 Experiences Lounge that they had there. And I've obviously seen lots of things about F1 Experiences before. So it was really cool to try that out for myself. And I mean, it was certainly, I can't fault the hospitality. It was incredible. The food was amazing and the drink and the service from the people that were there. And then the actual views of the track was so good. Like I was situated near turn four and I could see the cars coming around the corner. And then when they sort of put their foot to the floor in the accelerator down one of the long straights there, as they raced down to the sphere, so I could see the sphere from where I was sat. And one thing about the sphere actually is... I was slightly disappointed actually with the kind of things that were on there like F1 had hired it for the weekend and there were some really cool activations like when it was a red flag that entire sphere lit up red and had like a flag design rippling through it which was quite creative but I thought there was going to be maybe more 
custom made things for the sphere like there were a lot of adverts that ran throughout the weekend i know aston martin had one pirelli had one which was basically just its logo going around but the one one thing that i saw that really stuck out as like utilizing the sphere to its best was an asap rocky slash puma campaign that he was doing but like i imagine drivers you know having something where they could like knock like fake knock on glass so it looked like they were in the sphere or something that kind of made the most of the circular aspect of it like obviously we had the famous face with a helmet on this time and it was able to almost follow the cars around the track which was so clever and I still don't know how they did it but things like that I was like yes that is what you guys should be doing but for the most of it it just felt like one big advertising board whereas hopefully next year I mean, there's lots of bright sparks at F1. They must be able to make something like this happen. But by having something that's maybe more interactive or, you know, like my thinking was there's a clip of Danny Rick where he's like almost like put his breath onto the camera and like wiped it away with a cloth kind of thing. Something like that could be quite amusing. But obviously you are going to be stretched (laughs) if it's a sphere. But anyway, I just was slightly disappointed at the lack of creativity shall we say that was um with the sphere but anyway that's a little rant but yes yeah, spent spent qualifying with f1 experiences and from talking to people there it sounds like and like i said this could be just a few people that i spoke to that i was when i was there people were happier to spend that extra bit of money and get one a roof over their heads which you might think well you're in the middle of the desert it's not going to rain after the opening ceremony on Wednesday it absolutely chucked it down and some of the Las Vegas residents were like it rains three times a year in Vegas the coincidence of this happening is crazy so you know have a roof over the head and also have access to not only hot food and hot drink but good quality stuff I know that there was options to get things if you were in the grandstands and things so it's not as if you had to sit there and just be cold if you were in a grandstand but from the people like I said the selection of people I spoke to um, one of which was like a father and daughter duo which was really wholesome but they were really it sounded like people were happy to pay more in order to get like a proper experience from the weekend then we had the race and F1 are probably counting their lucky stars that it was a good race because there was a lot of negativity, as I mentioned, going into this weekend. And especially after the issues we had for practice, like they needed a good race. So thankfully, we received that. Lots of people saying the best race of the season. I would not necessarily agree. I think there were lots of better ones. For me, places like Zandvoort stick out as being a good one. Singapore, but maybe I'm just saying that because we had somebody other than Max Verstappen winning the race. But I think there are lots of other arguments for better races. And maybe there was a little bit of recency bias, but there's no denying that it was a solid banger. There has been, and I was thinking about this over the weekend in Vegas, lots of new additions to the calendar and not normally received with open arms. Now, whether that be something like Miami or Saudi Arabia or Qatar, or even as far back as something like Baku. Obviously, Baku is a circuit that lots of fans, myself included, really enjoy now. It's one of my favorite circuits on the calendar. But at the time of it being bought in, it was not flavor of the month. In fact, after the first race, 
it was even less of a favourite for people because the race was boring. And so fans and drivers and people like that were understandably pretty miffed that we were getting these kind of races while we were losing classics off the calendar. I've seen lots of comments as well of people asking, well, what's the point of Miami now? We've got the box tick of a good street circuit in Vegas, which could be the case, could be a one-off. I still think we need more time to decide if this is a good circuit or not. There's definitely potential there. And then we have Kota, which is a permanent circuit, and that ticks that box. So, yeah, what do we do with Miami now? It's not the best circuit on the calendar. It's received numerous complaints from drivers saying that it's this and it's that. F1 probably want to keep it going. And we've also got to remember, sometimes as a European, I think it's quite easy to just think, say the UK, it's only got one race. The UK is tiny. In comparison to somewhere like America... F1 are probably wanting to spread themselves quite literally across three main points. You've got Florida, which is on the east coast, Miami. You've then got Austin, which is sort of somewhere in the middle. Obviously, it's more southern than being right smack bang in the middle of America. And then you've got now Vegas, which is on the west coast. So for them, they're kind of happy. They've got left, center and right kind of covered in terms of the US. If you want to get technical, yeah, what purpose does Miami serve? Not much. We'll have to wait and see what F1 does with that because Miami makes the money. So, you know, that's probably going to stay for another few years and see out its contract. I wasn't intending on having such a chat about Vegas, but it's nice to have a bit of a debrief with you guys. And then Abu Dhabi, well, Abu Dhabi was Abu Dhabi. Shock, it was not very entertaining. I really, really wish that we could somehow get rid of Abu Dhabi or at least put it somewhere else and not have it as the final race. It ends the season on such like a, a kind of depressing note. They've obviously tried really hard to make various changes over the years. And I really, you know, I respect the fact that they know that some of the racing might not be the most entertaining of the whole year. And so, you know, they've made those modifications to try and help with the racing. But oh, it's just, it's like, I was watching the Braun documentary, which I will get into before I end this podcast because my voice is slowly getting worse as we go on. But like they had the finale in 2009 at Interlagos. And then you just think, my God, this is what a finale should be. Excitement, anticipation, like it's such a solid race. And then now we have Abu Dhabi. Anyway, I'm going to produce some sort of end of season content, I think, on another episode, maybe when I've got my voice back a little bit more. Uh, I haven't decided yet how I'm going to do it. I want to have a sort of small talk spin on it. Um, But there will be some end of season review content, whatever you want to call it, coming your way. Knowing my upload schedule, you'll probably get that in February. (laughs) But um, hopefully my voice comes back a bit better over the next couple of days and so I can record some stuff for you there but as I kind of mentioned let's talk about the Braun documentary as a sort of final thought yeah I watched that there's four episodes to give some context each of them are about an hour each I love a documentary anyway so anything to do with F1 I'm like sign me up I thought it was good it definitely spoke to a wide variety of people which I was pleased about so you might think oh it obviously speaks to like Ross Braun it's his team or Pat Fry or Jensen and Rubens but actually and goes without saying a bit of a spoiler warning for some of this so if you don't want to know anything about Braun and go into it completely blind 
then maybe just skip a few minutes on the podcast. But they spoke to people like Felipe Massa. Obviously, he was such a huge part of that 2009 season when Ruben's spring came off in Hungary and, you know, hit his helmet and knocked him unconscious. And like, even now, seeing that footage back, it just, it's so uncomfortable to like see a driver be knocked unconscious behind the wheel of an F1 car. Like, it's just not pleasant. But thankfully... The advancements that we've had and the luck as well of like, if it had been slightly lower, he would have been blind. He would have lost his eye. Like it is crazy to watch. Anthony Hamilton, Lewis Hamilton's dad made an appearance. We also heard from Christian Horner as a man who can never miss out on potential airtime. Like he must spend so much time doing media commitments, that guy. But there were lots of great additions the wonderful James Fowles made an appearance which I knew he would do because he was part of the Braun team and I also asked him about this documentary when I interviewed him back in June which feels like a lifetime ago and so he was saying that he was part of that and yeah lots of really interesting figures which still now with Mercedes and that is a real testament I think to that the teamwork and the way that that team is sort of built that So many of them have stayed loyal. I mean, obviously, I mentioned James Fowles and he's now jumped ship to Williams, but that is because he has been given an incredible opportunity to be team principal over there. But so many of them have stuck around, which is nice to see. But no, I would recommend it. I'm not too sure. I do think Keanu's, uh, Keanu Reeves, that is, I think his role is important in the sense that it adds a good narration to it and maybe if you went into the documentary and you weren't familiar with F1 then he does a good job of like being the Will Buxton drive to survive figure of saying like qualifying is when all drivers you know try and get the best lap time and you're like okay well most F1 fans will know that but if you're new to it then he is good at sort of gathering and guiding it through. One thing that surprised me was he's quite sweary. I mean I won't repeat what he says because I don't want to mark my podcast as being explicit but um, in some of the questions he asked you know it had the F word in every other word and I was like Keanu is that necessary? He is obviously very passionate about this project so he um, sat through and interviewed everyone and yeah I hope that he he enjoyed the process, but I would definitely recommend it. But like I say, I'm a lover of documentaries. And also it's quite refreshing to see a documentary about F1 that hasn't got things taken out of context, like radio clips and not over um, edited in terms of the sounds of things. Like it was all fairly consistent and somewhat natural to what would have happened at the time so that was that was good but no I think if you've got four hours of time that you want to watch the documentary I would definitely give it a go and it, like I say it's on Disney plus here in the UK I'm not sure where it would be streamed in America or other places around the world but I'm sure a quick Google will come up with some results for that but it has left me thinking what other moments in F1 history would I like to see made into a documentary and uh, maybe you guys can let me know what you would like to see. I will do a poll. If you listen on Spotify, you can use that or feel free to reach out on social media and tell me what moment in time you would love to see made into an F1 documentary because there was so much going on in 2009 with the Braun stuff, the double diffuser, the FOTA, the Formula One Teams Association threatening to separate from the FIA and F1. Like there was so much drama, I forgot.
Okay, I think I'm going to call it there, guys, because my voice is slowly getting worse and I need to rest it if I want to record more podcasts in the future. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. Sorry it was a bit all over the place. I went on about Vegas for longer than I anticipated, but clearly there was a lot that I wanted to get off my chest. But uh, I will be back hopefully soon with another episode. I'll hopefully sound a bit better, a bit more normal. But for now, thank you as ever for all your well wishes if you have messaged me through Instagram or such and for tagging me in your Spotify wrapped. I really, really appreciate every single one of you that listen to this podcast and I'll see you in the next one. Love you. Bye.